Morning, if you would, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse number 10. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 10. On Thursday nights throughout the summer, we took upon uh, the task of teaching on the topic of character that counts. Character that counts. We looked at this matter of character in the life of a Christian. Regardless of what society says today, character does count. It does matter. Throughout the summer, we looked at the character trait of availability, flexibility, dependability, humility, loyalty, decisiveness, initiative, and contentment. Next Thursday night, Pastor Derek will be teaching on the last character trait that we will have an opportunity to look at this summer, and that is going to be decisiveness. I'm sorry, discernment. Discernment. He's going to be teaching on this next Thursday night. Now, I'm going to be taking Alicia to college and won't be back yet, so I won't be here. Now, I have, throughout the summer, in my course of my studies, been kind of accumulating and looking at uh, and planning to teach a kind of a recap, a, a culminating thought with regards to this idea, that character that counts, with the instruction of how to build character in your life. And there, a lot of study has come out of this throughout the summer, and I have far more than I could possibly give you in one session here this morning. Uh, even my notes that I began typing up, uh, three times I, I cut the document, I moved it aside, and I started fresh because it got way too long. I said, i got to cut a bunch of this out, so I'm just starting over, and I reorganized and shortened it. Three times I did that to try and culminate and bring to conclusion this, this idea, that character that counts for us. We saw when I began teaching this that uh, there was 60 character traits uh, that attributed to Christ, 60 things that we've looked at, I mean, that are looked at as part of Christ-likeness. And as Christians, if we're going to be Christians, which means uh, Christ-like, then those character traits should at least, uh, I mean, they should be part of our lives, but maybe not as much as they should be, but we should at least be endeavoring to make them part of our lives. Amen? I mean, it should be at least an ongoing process, at least a, a work. Kind of in our mission statement, we say God is not as concerned with where you are as he is with the direction you're headed. So maybe you're not all that you would like to be, but praise God, you're not what you were. Amen? At least you're on the right path. I hope that you're headed in the right direction. And this idea this morning of character that counts, look with me in our text this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 10. We're going to reference a lot of scripture this morning with regards to this principle, but I want to start here in these words of this great apostle where he says, but by the grace of God. I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. Think about this verse in light of what I just talked about. In light of the fact that as Christians, we are supposed to have part of our life Christian character traits that are seen in Jesus Christ. This is supposed to be active in us. The Apostle Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Can you say that this morning? It's by the grace of God I am what I am. Whatever I am, (laughs) I mean, it's by the grace of God that I'm here. And he says, his grace that was bestowed upon me was not in vain. He's saying what I am is by the grace of God and the grace that God gave me wasn't bestowed in vain. 
I took the grace that he gave me and I used it to become what God wanted me to become. It wasn't in vain that God gave me that. He says, I labored more abundantly than them all. He said, I wanted to be all that God wanted me to be. I wanted to have these character traits as part of my life. I saw what Christ was and said, I want to be like that. I want people to see Christ in me. And so I labored more than they all to have that as part of my life. And then the amazing thing is, Christian here, he says, yet not I, but the grace of God which is in me. He says, listen, it's by God's grace I am what I am. God gave me grace, and I took that, and I labored to be all of what God expected. But you know what? I didn't actually do it. It was grace. God gave me grace to know how to use the grace that he already gave me. You see that? That's what we want to talk about for a few minutes this morning on the idea here. We're talking about character that counts and how to build that character in our lives. Can you pray with me for a moment as we start this morning? Dear God, I ask you that you would give me liberty to preach. Lord, you know that my thoughts are, are running to and fro, that, Lord, there's an abundance of things that I would like to share and uh, no time to certainly give them all. But there are some things that these people, your people, need today for this hour. There is something that somebody here needs specifically. And God, I pray you would start from my mind and my thoughts, those things which are not needed. And Lord, feed us from those things which are this morning. Lord, would you meet with us? Would you speak to every heart? Would you challenge us to use fully the grace that you bestowed upon us to be what you would have us be in Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Let me first of all just take a couple of minutes. I won't spend long here, but I just, I think that everybody here would agree uh, with this statement that character is important. Character is important. I know that in society to today, less and less emphasis is put on character. It's more about personality. In fact, in one of the beginning lessons, I spent some time dealing with and showing how there was literally a transfer in our society uh, along with the digital age, along with the television, where no longer was it a a person's character that would get them elected or a person's character that would be praised. It became the personality of a person that people began to like. And people got elected to office and put into positions and raised up, not because of who they were inside, but because of the personality that they had. And that was quite a long session where we talked about the idea of today where Facebook and all these things that we have available to us today, they kind of allow us to portray a personality. They allow us to put out this air of what we would like to be and the image of what we want the world to see us as. But what I want you to understand that the character... Uh, you know, your personality is what you want people to see you as, but character is what God knows you are. Character is important. Without character, you have fathers that would leave their wives and their children without a dad. Without character, you have mothers who would walk away from the greatest gift that God ever gave them, their own children. Without character, you have individuals who would walk off the job because of a bad day or a cross comment or what they perceived as an injustice. Without character, you would have politicians break the law 
to improve their voter base. Without character, you have men and women who make decisions based on political expediency and not on what is right or just. Without character, you have presidents involved in immoral acts with an intern to disgrace even our whole country. Without character, you have reporters who report twisted and skewed reports based on uh, their political agenda instead of the facts or the truth. Without character, you have men who are trusted to guide and to lead others abuse their position, take advantage of or even abuse those that are following them. Without character, you have men steal, lie, cheat. Without character, you have men and women run from the responsibilities that God has given them instead of choosing to pick up and carry them. Without character, the home falls apart. Without character, a society is not sustainable. Without character, any system of government will fail. Without character, a church will cease to exist. I want you to understand that character is important. Character is important. How is character displayed in your life? When we talk about character, I want you to understand that it's the whole. If I had an orange and uh, I began to peel away and I set right here the rind, we would have the orange peel. If I began to split it apart, we would have the, the slices or the segments of the orange as they, as they come apart. And I, as I began to eat it, I would, I would get to enjoy the orange juice as it went down and then the, the pulp as I began to chew that up and then the seeds as I spit them out. All these different components, you would not take any one of them and say, that's an orange. You would not say uh, at the orange peel that I placed here, there's an orange. No, that's just one segment, one part. Or each of the little pieces or, or the seeds that I spit down on the floor, you, you wouldn't say, well, there's an orange. No, those are orange seeds and there's an orange peel and there's orange juice and there's orange segments. But if you say there's an orange, what we're talking about is the whole. Does that make sense? You understand that our character is what we are as a whole. All of what we are. All of our, could we say, good attributes and our bad attributes. That is who we are. I know that in some ways, some here might be a very hard worker. You have that going for you. You are a hard worker, but maybe you're dishonest. And sometimes we like to look at our strengths and say, boy, I'm a hard worker. And we just kind of try and hide or disregard or don't look at the, the, the weak areas, right? I mean, we don't like to look at the weak areas. We don't want to notice those. You know, some of us might be bad at math. And we don't want to be asked math questions. <laughs> no, don't talk to me about math. You know, maybe you're proficient in history and you say, oh, talk to me about history. Let's talk about, you don't want to talk about the areas where you're weak. Some might be joyful, have the spirit of joy in their heart, but they might be lazy. You might have the character trait of faithfulness about you, but maybe you're given to anger. Maybe you're a very forgiving spirit, and that is wonderful, but maybe at the same time you're very disorganized in your life. Maybe you have generosity, but in amongst your own generosity, you're actually very ungrateful yourself. Maybe you have confidence but in your confidence, you're also very self-absorbed. Maybe you have initiative, but all your initiative, 
you have a lack of wisdom. Maybe you are diligent, but fearful. Maybe optimistic, but inefficient. Maybe you're very agreeable, but you're disobedient. Maybe you're faithful, but um, you lack faith in God. Maybe you're committed, but you're not cooperative. Maybe you have grace, but you don't really have much guidance in your life. Maybe you're very hospitable, but you don't have integrity. Maybe you're a person that's very loyal, but you're not very meek. Maybe you're prompt, but not very merciful for those who aren't prompt. Maybe you're sincere, but in your sincerity, you're not godly. Maybe you're supportive, but not tactful. Maybe you're tolerant, but not temperate. What I'm saying is that character is made up of all of what we are. And although we like to hide or disregard or not look at or not consider the areas where we might be weak, we certainly like to focus on and exemplify and talk about the areas we're strong. I want you to understand that we're talking about us as a whole. In fact, the word integrity, which is the Bible word for character, the integrity means whole. It means complete. This pulpit has integrity. It's solid. We could pick it up by this edge or that edge. It's not going to fall apart. It's, it's whole, it's complete, it's together. You, you go out in the woods and you pick up a piece of wood and half of it falls on the ground, it's lost its integrity. What we are as a whole, all of our makeup is what is our character. You cannot divorce your character from what you do. You cannot divorce your character from what you are. Our perfection. That would be the biblical word for maturity, completeness. Our perfection, yea, even our happiness as believers depends upon the development of Christ-like character in our lives. Now, I do not want to bore you this morning. I, I, I want you to get something out of this. As we do this, I want you to understand this, that character is important. And... Some of the things that I need to cover there, that I want to cover this morning, they are actually very intellectual. And you know I am not very intellectual. <laughs> I'm more of a, of a, a grab-a-hammer-and-chisel practical kind of guy. And when it gets kind of deep, I get lost. And I, that's just the way it is. But I want to share some truths with you that I think will help you with this idea of character in our lives. I pray God would help me to do it effectively. The importance of character. Secondly, I want you to see the initiation of character. Where does it start? Where does it come from? Where did this idea of character come from? In fact, is it possible for a man to have character and not have Christ? Is it possible for us to be morally strong and and not know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? What I want you to understand is the development of virtue, moral virtue in our lives, Although it is good, it gains you no favor with God. The development of virtue in our lives, the development of character in our lives, gains us no favor with God. Yes, there is a man who could, uh, 
through his upbringing or what have you, be morally strong. He may have good work ethic. He may have good character in his life. He may develop these good things. But do you understand that all of that goodness that he's developed, that good character that he has, does not gain him any favor with God? Now, he will reap the benefits of implementing and utilizing biblical principle regardless of whether he knows Christ or not. Uh, If you use biblical principles with regards to your finances, you will be a success financially. If you use biblical principles with regards to your home and how you run your home and how you handle the conflict that's in the home and how you deal with your children and so on, you will be a success as a family. You'll reap the benefits. Yes, those things are good outside of Jesus Christ. Outside of Christianity, a person can have moral character. But what we need to understand is what is the foundation of character? Where does it all come from? Why do we do it? For without Jesus Christ and without Christianity, you cannot develop and come up with moral character by reason alone. Plato and uh, Socrates are perfect examples of this. These are men who spent their lives answering questions about man and were very intellectual. But you cannot develop moral character by reason alone because ultimately your reason might be different than his. And where one man may say, this is wrong because of this, another man would just say, well, I don't think that. My thinking is that this is the way to live. And what we have in our country and America is we have now had several generations of people that maybe have been, tr- been tried to be instructed with the idea of moral character outside of God. And when you remove the foundation of character, when you remove the reason, the purpose, the source of all moral character from that, it becomes just a matter of what you think is right and what I think is right. And they may differ and that's okay. Because we're all right. Now, I, I watched a little thing this last week on a, on a young lady who was, had a job at a uh, newspaper, basically. Maybe an online paper, whatever. She was writing an article. And her editor called her in and said, there's just a couple of small edits that I would like to make here. And one of them is she had spelled hamster with a P instead of an M. Hamster is supposed to be M, hamster, not hamster. And she said, we obviously need to correct this. And she said, you can't tell me that. And she said, yeah, listen, this is not how it's spelled. And she said, that is the way I have always spelled it. Well, listen, let's go to dictionary.com and let's look up how this word is spelled. And she said... I don't need to go to dictionary.com to see how it's spelled because I have always spelled it this way. You can't tell me that that's wrong because I spell it this way. Now, this conversation went on for a long while. Ultimately, this 21-year-old lady who took this position called her mother and asked her mother to call her boss and tell her boss not to be so mean to her. Because she told her that that word was spelled wrong. And her mother agreed with her. 
and said, you're right. Your boss should not talk to you that way. This is where we are in our society where we can spell, I mean, how, how in the world could you possibly in your mind justify saying this is, not, this is spelled right because that's the way I spell it. Now, I have a whole lot of words that I would like to do that with. <laughs> Ask my wife. She's my editor. <laughs> you know, uh, she just tears my papers up. She just, all the stuff, my, you know, anything she edits for me. Sometimes I tell her, hon, don't change it. That's, I know sentence structure is not right, but that's, how, that's what I wanted to say. So if there's anything in the devotionals that I send out that the sentence structure was wrong, no, my wife wanted to change it, and I told her not to. <laughs> Sometimes because I'm a speaker, public speaker, when I'm writing, it comes out a certain way. And Mary's like, he says, you can't say it that way. And I'm like, well, let's leave it because I like it. I like the way it sounds. But, I mean, how can you possibly say that a word that's misspelled is not misspelled just because of what you think? That's where we are in our society today. Because we have removed the foundation, the source of character in our lives. It comes from Christ. In our world, there are a lot of voices screaming about what it means to be a Christian. But what does it mean to be a Christian? Many of these voices are contrary one to the other. But what does the Bible say? Would you turn to 1 John chapter number 5? 1 John chapter number 5. All the way towards the end of your Bible. Down, you can go to Revelation and come back a little bit if you want. Uh, but down towards the end of your Bible is 1 John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And chapter number 5 and verse number 11 12 and 13. I want you to see this in the Word of God. He says here, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. He says, I wrote this down so you could know that you have eternal life. What did he say you have, you have to do in order to know you have eternal life? Is you have to have the Son. He said, this is the record. This is the record. You know, just like uh, I sold a, a Ford Explorer a couple of weeks ago. You guys missed a deal. I sold it for $600. Uh, 600, Ford, Ford Explorer, the guy that bought it. Just kidding, you didn't want it. Uh, the guy that bought it. He said, do you have the title? And I said, yeah, I had the title. And of course, I signed it, signed the title over to him. The reason is because he wanted to be able to take that and put that vehicle in his name so that when he got stopped, when somebody came to him and says, hey, that vehicle's stolen, he could say, no, it's not. It's not, it's not stolen. Here's the record. This is the legal document that shows that I own this vehicle. Well, God said, here's the record. Here's the document. Here's the proof that you have eternal life. What is the difference? Verse number 12. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath the Son hath life. This is the record. According to John 5, 12, the difference between one who would say, I am a Christian, and one who is a Christian, is one who has the Son. You see, we're talking about the development of character. 
But what I stated in the beginning is I want you to understand the development of character does not make you a Christian. The development of character does not guarantee or grant you any favor with God. The difference between a Christian and one who is not a Christian is the one that has the Son is a Christian. He has eternal life. And the one that hath not the Son does not have eternal life. That is the difference. You might have a good name, but if you don't have the Son, you don't have eternal life. You might have a good job or a good family, or you might have good, strong moral character. You might have many good things that you've done through your life. But according to John 5, 12, does that make you a Christian? You tell me. No. The difference, what is it that makes you a Christian? You tell me. He that hath the Son. What I'm saying is the foundation of the development of character in our life and ultimately the purpose for it, it begins with the Son. It begins with Jesus Christ and having the Son, accepting Him as our Lord and Savior, as His payment on the cross for our sins, being forgiven of our sin and trusting in Him and Him alone. He that hath the Son hath life. So friend, a Christian is someone who has Christ. Let me ask you, encourage you, employ you this morning to be sure you have Christ. As we talk about developing moral character, Christian character in your life, understand that is, that is not the most important thing. It's having the Son. But now we're going to get to the point where we talk to the Christian. You have the Son. And let me say that when you have the Son, you get the Son, you get a new nature. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. He comes to dwell in you and you get a new nature. But... It is so disappointing that we still have an old nature. We still have an old nature. I know, I I wish once we had the sun, all the old nature would be gone. I wish we wouldn't have any of those desires anymore, any of that ambition anymore. But the fact of the matter is, is once you're saved, you get a whole new nature, but you still have the old nature. You still are who you were. Whatever character you had before you were saved is the character you're going to have once you're saved. It's not just going to change. Some people think, well, if I bow my head and I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior, when I raise my head, all my debts are going to be gone and my alcohol problem is going to be gone and my, uh, my life is going to, my family problems are going to be fixed and, and hallelujah, and, and yeah, they're ready to pray right now. They want to fix all the problems in their life. What salvation does in getting the Son is it fixes the problem of the heart. It saves your soul from an eternity in hell, and, but it does not fix these things. That takes some work. That takes some time. That takes some effort. If you had a temper before you were saved, you're going to have one after. If you were an energetic individual before you got saved, you're going to be energetic after. If you had a personality and you were quite funny, you made people laugh before you got saved, you're going to be funny and make people laugh. Amen, Tim? Tim's good at making people laugh. You know, that your personality is not going to change. So to be a Christian starts by accepting Jesus Christ, accepting the Son. But how many of you here understand that to be a Christian starts with being, having the Son, but that's just the beginning? You understand that? That in fact we are supposed to grow. We're supposed to desire the sincere milk of the Word that we may grow thereby. 
This is a common theme of Jesus Christ and all of the apostles and through the New Testament is the growth of the Christian. He says in 1 John chapter 3, turn back there. If you're in 1 John still, turn back to chapter 3. When you're there, say amen. 1 John 3 in verse number 2, he says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. So he says, hey, you've got the son, so you've been adopted into the family of God. He says, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall be seen as he is. A common theme throughout the New Testament is that we are supposed to, the longer we're saved, the more like Christ we're supposed to be. Amen? We are supposed to be growing. And, you know, we, we sing the songs about, I saw Christ in you. I see Jesus in you. Sometimes the only Bible people will read is the one they see in us. And as Christians, we are supposed to be more and more like Christ and less and less like what we were the longer we're saved. Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 18 says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the, little Lord, of the Lord. In Galatians 4.19, he says, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. The Apostle Paul says, listen, I am travailing, I am working hard that Christ be formed in you. So Christian, we establish that to be a Christian starts by having the Son, amen? But we are supposed to grow. You understand that getting saved is not simply and exclusively a salvation from hell. That is not the entirety of the purpose of your salvation. Uh, Jim Berg, who is going to be teaching the class on Quieting a Noisy Soul that you guys are going to take, uh, was talking about this subject, and <clears throat> he gave this illustration, which very adequately and eloquently pictures this for us. He happens to like Volkswagen Bugs. How many of you like Volkswagen Bugs? Nobody. Uh, oh, a couple. All right, a couple people like Volkswagen Bugs. I mean, they're kind of a fun little car, you know, old Herbie. <laughs> uh, Volkswagen, he, he, he has a couple of Volkswagen bugs that he bought. And he bought them right before they're ready to go to the junkyard. And he says, you know what? My purpose and reason for buying these Volkswagen bugs was not just to save them from the junkyard. Uh, that was not the purpose. The purpose of buying these Volkswagen bugs was to restore them to their former glory was to restore them to their former glory. How many of you know that back in the book of Genesis that God created man? That we were created in his image, you know that? But sin came in. Sin came in and it marred this image that was made in the image of Christ and it caused a defilement. But Jesus Christ came and allowed us to be saved and allowed that marred image to be healed. But... The sole purpose for him saving us is not just to save us out of hell. It's to restore us to our former glory. To restore us back to what God intended and planned for us to be. Does that make sense? 
So there is a process that's called sanctification for us as Christians that's supposed to be taking place in our lives. The longer we're saved, the more like Christ we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be on a path, not just saved from hell and praise God, we're saved from hell. He that hath the Son hath eternal life. If you're saved, you've got, you're on your way to heaven and that's secure and you can never lose it. Amen? Amen. But there is supposed to be taking place a process whereby we are changed into his image and gradually through our life and ultimately when we see him, we will be restored, completely restored to our former glory. That's powerful. That's what's supposed to be happening in the Christian life. That's what this pursuit of character in our lives is about. Bringing about that change where we're changed into the image of God. Pursuing. When we pursue entertainment above the pursuit of character, we're in a heap of trouble. And that's where we are in our country today. Well, others looked at what they had. Christ looked at what you were. He said that a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things that he hath. It's not about what we acquire. It's about who we are. Now, let me give you some thoughts here, and we'll be done. How do you improve your character? Uh, listen, I'm going to have to go quick. I know, I know what time it is. You guys doing okay? <laughs> Amen. We'll still be early for lunch. <laughs> the improvement of our character. This is what God wants. We know that this is the path that he set us on, the development and the building of character in our lives. We saw this as a matter of... Uh, on Thursday night, when we looked at the character trait of contentment, we saw how Paul, he says, he learned in whatsoever state he was in, therewith to be content. He learned how to be content. We can learn how to develop character in our life. You may look at your life and say, boy, I am weak in this area, but I don't know what to do about it. You can learn how to be strong in that area. Whatever it might be, and we, maybe it's a character trait we didn't touch on this summer, but you can learn how to build and develop character in your life. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, you can be saved in a second, but it takes a lifetime to develop Christ-like character. Saved in a second, on my way to heaven, I have the Son, amen? But now, being changed into his image, that takes a process. That takes some work. I want you to see several thoughts I'm just going to give you quickly about developing character in your life. First of all is it takes time. It takes time. It's a process. We're going to have to work on it over and over again, over time. It's not going to happen in a day. Some people, they, they feel, well, if I just pray and, and confess this and I, and I get up, that everything's going to be changed. The problem is, is you still have that tendency, you still have that nature, you still have that desire, and it's going to take some work and some effort and some time to overcome it. It's a process of life that's going to take some time. Don't get discouraged. It takes tenacity. It takes a commitment to it, a little bit of effort, a little bit of say, this is what I want to do. This is the direction I want to go, and I'm willing to sacrifice to make it happen. I'm willing to give up these things to make it happen. I, I want this in my life. I, the Apostle Paul said, I labor more abundant than they all. Why? Because he wanted it. He wanted. He says, listen, the grace that was bestowed on me was not bestowed in vain. 
It takes tenacity. Don't give up. Don't give up. Listen, failure is not final. When you have a little kid that's up to bat and they pitch the ball to him and he swings and misses, everybody looks at him and says, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Get back up there. Get ready. Keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. And he swings and misses. Everybody goes, well, you might as well just quit. You might as well put the bat down, man. No, they say, hey, come on. No, 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 no. Get, get up there. Look at that ball. Swing again. You've heard it before. When you fall off the horse, you get right back up and try it again. Amen? And listen, I know Satan is fighting against you in every step of the way when you're trying to build this character in your life and you know what you should be. And you desire to be that. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And sometimes you fail. You fall. But that is not final. Get back up. Get ready to bat again. Say, I messed up yesterday, but bless God, by God's grace, I'm going to make it today. The devil's keeping too many of you down. You got to have some tenacity. Stick to it. Keep doing it. Force yourself to do right when you don't feel like it. Force yourself to do right until it becomes second nature. Like tying your shoes. You remember how hard it was in the beginning, how you had to really think about tying your shoes and you had to like, wait, 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 no, this has to go over that. And, but now you sit down and you can talk to somebody and be watching the TV and, and you don't even have to look and you just tie your shoes. It's second nature. That is the development of the Christian life, the process that we're on. When you force yourself to do right, over and over and over again, one day you'll find, hey, I did that and I wasn't even thinking about it. I mean, I used to lie when those situations came up, but that wasn't my first response now. I told the truth. That's the development of character. You force yourself to do right, even when you don't want to, consistently until it becomes second nature. Not only does it take time and it takes tenacity, but it takes trusting God. You've got to trust God. Do you understand that God will send things into our life to build us and to shape us? Sometimes those things are hard. They're struggles. They're battles. And they don't make sense to us. And we feel like, God, I'm trying to do what's right. Can I, I don't have time to go there. But you know Job. The Bible says he was a perfect and upright man. He eschewed evil and did right. But God sent some things into his life uh, for his honor and glory and for the reaching of other people. Paul, uh, Job had to endure those things. God's going to send some things in your life maybe you don't understand, but you can trust him. You can trust him. Just as any loving parent would chasten a child who did wrong, our Heavenly Father may chasten us when we do wrong. But you can trust him. The Bible says, My son, despise not the chasten of the Lord, neither be wary of his correction. God's trying to work on you. Don't despise the chastening of God. Be thankful for it. Because God's molding a vessel. A vessel of honor. You see, when we came to him, we were empty and broken. A vessel unworthy and scarred with sin. But he didn't despair. He just started over again. And I bless the day that he didn't throw the clay away. Because he molds me. And makes me 
Into his likeness he fashions the clay. A vessel of honor I am today. All because he didn't throw the clay away. He's the potter and I am the clay. And molded into his image he wants me to stay. Oh, but when I stumble and when I fall, my vessel breaks. He just picks up the pieces. He doesn't throw the clay away. Over and over, he molds me and makes me a vessel of honor. I am today. All because Jesus didn't throw the clay away. He's molding a vessel. He's building Christ-like character in our lives. You can trust him. Put our lives in his hands. Let him mold and fashion us into what he wants us to be. For his honor and glory. And I can guarantee you, Christian, it'll also be to your joy.